0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in
1: auto detailing. Welcome to the community.
0: Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook and you will definitely find us both there. Nick is always there chiming in, getting after it, and then he's giving me a hard time when I'm late to chime in and get after it. But we eventually are both there and we're happy to be there seeing a lot of great interaction there, Nick. It's a lot of fun to see. And I know some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, which seems to be sort of a a regular heartbeat lately, right? It's just, there's a lot of great information, a lot of great discussions, and there's a lot of great uh, things to go, hey, we need to dive into this a little deeper because we can uncover some things that maybe there's philosophies in the industry and ways people do things. And we're, we're going to get into that for a second before we do, though, we got to do some buy and sell. Let's have some fun here. I'm selling. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and sell and I'm selling something that I saw while I'm sitting at a soccer game in the cold rain. Yes. Yes. The cold has come here. Everybody listening is going to be, if you're listening to this live, it's going to be October 31st, 2023. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, for those of you at SEMA, Nick will be dressed up walking through SEMA. You'll look for him. Yep. He's handing out candy, right?
1: And people will know this. I'm going as Omar from The Wire. So there's a couple guys that will get that joke. So you'll see me.
0: <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm sitting there in the cold. It's raining. We've all done it for, right? If we've been in the game, it's a lot of fun to play in cold and rain when you're the the parent that's sitting in the stands or in a lawn chair, not so much fun, right? so you can already understand that little bit of moment that I'm in, and then I see this message come across, hey, send me your number
1: Excuse <laughs> uh, me? i I love this because I already know what's coming
0: next, but I love it, like. Excuse me? I I have this this Nick does love it because it is a pet peeve of mine. It has grown even more and more as a pet peeve. Now I think maybe it's because it was something that I had to learn. Usually things that piss you off are usually something that you, you struggle with yourself or, you know, something you've had to to learn through. And there's something I've had to learn through how to talk to people via text or, you know, DM or this and that. I always like to say, Hey, how's it right? Or afternoon. Hope everything's right. Some type of greeting, some type of acknowledgement that it's a human being right? Like let's get back to literally considering that there's a human being on the other side and I should first say, hello. I should first say, hi. (laughs) So (laughs) for those of you that have sent me messages and the ones in particular from this weekend, while I'm sitting in the cold rain and you go, Hey, I want your number. Hmm. You're not going to get a response from me. I'll just let you know. I'm selling the, Hey, what's your number guy?
1: And the weird thing is, is, uh, as you get bigger, well, you know, it could be, you know, you guys listening that own a big company of some type, the, the weirder things get and how people approach you. Like when we open our email or we open DMS or we open text messages, I don't think people realize the level it goes to. If you're listening and you're a one man operation and you know, you get, let's say 10 texts a day from customers or five texts a day. Start multiplying that for bigger companies and bigger individuals that have built their companies over 10, 15, 20 years. It kind of gets crazy to you because it's nothing to wake up to 50, 100, 200 messages from people on various platforms to have to navigate at the beginning of your day or in the middle of a soccer game in the rain. And you're going, wow, there's a lot of people that just treat me not so professionally. And it it can wear on you. Now, is it a pet peeve of mine on the level it is you? No, but that's why I was laughing because, you know, it's nice to hear that you got a pet peeve of some kind. Okay, so I'm going to buy. Pumpkin Patch season's here. I got two little kids. You know, we go to the Pumpkin Patch. It's a nice, nice area. Nothing wrong with the Pumpkin Patch. All the cool rides, all the cool stuff. I'm pretty chill when I'm out and about with my kids. I just want them to have a good time, go on the rides. My, my youngest obviously can't, but my my older daughter's getting to the age where the rides are fun. You know, not a lot of high-impact rides, but, you know, some things for her to have fun. So there's, there's this very tall spiral slide. And boy, oh boy, things went sideways quick on that thing. So she she goes on this spiral slide. By the time she gets down, she's head first. Flying off this thing. Somebody had greased the slide. One of the, the workers there bangs her head a little bit. She, she's, she's crying like kids do. I'm like, hey, no worries. You're all good. You know, whatever. Seconds later, this kid comes flying down her age. A boy whew, flies off of it. Bangs his head, whatever. Their mom and dad are freaking out, whatever. But this is what I'm buying. The all-time 2023 parent move is they are so mad, they walk about 50 feet to the worker who was running the little maze area and goes, this slide is really dangerous. You need to do something. And they're just ripping them a new one. Now, for anybody that's been to a carnival or a pumpkin patch, I wouldn't say that the gentlemen or the women working there are the most together individuals that you will ever meet in your life. Not a professional bunch nice people. I enjoyed my time there. I also don't think they're going to be fa- you know, uh, solving nuclear problems or anything like that. They're just sort of there working an hourly gig, no biggie. They're dressing this kid down and he comes up with the funniest response I've ever heard. He goes, yeah, I'll check on that when I get my next break. Now this thing's like 50 feet away from him. He's not going anywhere. And these parents are walking away from this guy like, can you believe that he won't go? Kid's safety, blah, blah, I'm like, what, what happened? Your kid banged his head a little bit. The 2023 parent that doesn't understand that, hey, your kid is at a carnival type situation, things aren't meant to go smoothly. Look at the rides. Listen to the noises. Not exactly the most well-maintained area you're ever going to go to. So I got to say, I'm buying watching these parents melt down and having to tell the people with me, don't do that. That kid can't help you. We're all good. She's done crying. Let's go get on the next ride. So I got to say, I'm buying watching somebody really confused at what a carnival employee might do or might not do for $8 an hour.
0: And I can imagine that carnivals in las vegas and in this certain area are probably a better run and better carny s type uh, (laughs) (laughs) than you would find here tulsa oklahoma let's just get to the point right like we have to
1: say this it's all the same it's all the same I've, i've i've lived in ohio i've lived other places it it's a traveling circus. I'm sure they do this stuff other places than, 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 than Las Vegas. It's all good, man. Like, did you not know what you were getting when you saw the rickety rides and the the craziness going on? I mean, isn't that kind of how you feel in Tulsa? It's like, Hey, we're all kind of taking our life into our our own
0: hands here a little bit at all these events. No, there's this one that, that, so popular, you know, the one that spins around and kind of goes <laughs> yeah. up, and you can, right? The guy here at, at the one that does it for us, you can see the motor oil or hydraulic oil. It's probably <laughs> hydraulic oil, right? Yeah. You can see the containers that where he's had to continually maintain it as it goes. And then he
1: yeah.
0: goes and takes a rope and just sticks it around the thing so it can run. You're like, nailed it. Nailed it, right? Have you seen seen
1: that video where people were like on one of those things trying to get it to lower because it was out of control at a state fair somewhere? It's like, dude, Mm. the internet is forever, and these rides are always having something crazy happen. Don't dress down the $8 an hour guy. He ain't going to help you, okay? it's just not his gig, man. He's going to take the tickets or he's going to look at your wristband and he's out. That's where he draws the line. But yeah, so I'm going to buy that. That was hilarious.
0: All right. So we used to have a thing here that uh, was just a me thing, but I would tell people, Hey, we'll trade beer for coatings, right? Like send me some beer. I'll send you a coating. It seems to be now that, uh, well, I'm trading detailing for beer. All right so we we do want to talk about the new YouTube style that's going to be coming out from Hyperclean, new way to kind of look into us. Nick's going to be traveling here to HQ. We're going to put out some really fun stuff and well, I've been doing more detailing and I am drinking today just a little hazy IPA from Schlaff. Yeah, something Schlafly? I don't know. And this was just, right, detailing cars for the videos. And I get free beer. Hey, wow. you guys get money. Nick particularly talks about you should take a lot of money. And I get beer. Hey, yeah. win-win for everybody. Win-win.
1: So when I'm there, that my half of the six-pack is still there. How's this work? I mean, this is happening at HQ. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> is that coming out of your paycheck? I mean, what are we doing here? So we'll subtract <laughs> that from your next payday. Uh, for, 3 I'll save 50%. these three
0: if you're going <laughs> to drink them. I'll have
1: one. Yeah, because if it's bad, I'm going to go, wow, you should have kept this for yourself.
0: You won't like (laughs) it. You made a real mistake. (laughs) Let me
1: me drink this one. All
0: Uh, right. So Nick's coming in, though. Like we said, there'll be a new YouTube channel. Nick, this has been a journey, right? And we put out in the specialist group, we put out a photo and we've kind of showed some people some things going on. And this is something that you and I have kind of taken on as a project to go, how do we be different? How do we see what plays, but how do we be different? And how do we make sure that we give the viewers, listeners, people a part of the community, something of value?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, look, YouTube is a thing that everybody looks at a little differently. You know, everybody's running a YouTube for their own reasons. I think for us, it's to to, to share the way we see products being used and process. Have a little fun, you know. We'll crack jokes. We're gonna enjoy ourselves. That's what we do. I, I think one of the things that, that that people don't understand is is that we want to provide information. There's a lot of guys at the beginning. There's a lot of guys that are running companies that want to become more efficient or see how something's properly used in our eyes. And it's not some kind of like money making venture on our side. It's more about putting out there information that can make it more clear of how we see the best way to use our system and, and our products. And, and this has been basically a two-year conversation because as you start to build out this thought process and, and and you know this, you can only do so much on TikTok. You can only do so much on Instagram. And, and what happens is people see a video and they'll be like, well, can you show this a little more? And it's like, dude, it's a minute. They're not giving us much time to really walk you through this. So this is going to be a lot more 5, 10, 15 minutes of doing things on cars and kind of showing different ways to use things, give people a different understanding of how we see things working. And, you know, we'll provide some efficiency things, but a lot of it's just going to be going through the product and showing you ways to use it to your advantage. And so I think it's been a very long time coming and we know we need, we knew we needed to do it. But also, we had to get a lot of projects off our plate. We had to get some development things out and about. We had to make a bigger product line before it really made sense for us to to engage in this type of, of procedure or this type of video making. Because you, you kind of need a lot of products for people to look at and, and understand.
0: No. So as, as we put it out there, you know, we appreciate everybody that is a listener, go on over to the YouTube channel, right? Check out the new ways to not only as you hear what we have to say, now you visually get to see us put it into action, walking through step-by-steps and it is product, process and purpose that continues on over to YouTube. Uh, I, am going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and Buy again, sorry, Nick. I'm doing it anyway. I'm buying two-star review guy. Done.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, nothing says you're a manly man than using a fake name to leave a review. <laughs> like, is there any weaker move that goes on in business and in life today than review guy? So it just—it just doesn't make any sense. Like our. Uh, our lives, and this is all of us. This has nothing to do with just just us. This is what makes reviews so worthless. The, the anonymity of it makes it kind of worthless, don't you think? Like, if somebody has to put their name on something, there's a lot of respect for me on that. The minute that you kind of do it in anonymity, which is basically happening across the internet, I, I just got to vote no on it.
0: Yeah, oh, and... Everybody's entitled to whatever views they want, but I just want to go ahead, just on his behalf, go ahead and chase a rabbit because I like chasing rabbits. I think rabbits are fun to chase. I think when you chase a rabbit, you actually get to go down a journey into a story and you you get absorbed into something that would be valuable to chase, like a rabbit. Rabbits are just fun to chase. Do you like chasing rabbits, Nick?
1: <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, so I don't want to get there.
0: No, I'm just drawing it out all solely for for the two-star <laughs> review guy in case he's still listening. And now everybody else that wants to go leave a two-star review because we just chased a rabbit. So uh-huh. now I just want to, I thought it'd be fun, right. To, to chase a rabbit for a second now, joking. But listen, while I was, while I speaking of chasing a rabbit there, while I was detailing the other day did happen. And I'm, I'm working on this car. I, I look over and I go, my big chug has now grabbed a few edges, right? Uh-huh. I've, I've hit some edge, and have you done the one? I, I love that people still put these on, you know, as emblems, those giant, like, sharp edges. I hit with the big chug twice and cussed myself both times and still did it. You yeah. know, and you get those little run lines, and you get those rips that kind of come into the yeah. towel. Yeah. So I had to grab a new one. Wow.
1: Man, we got a lot of inventory to do on what's coming out of your paycheck over there at HQ. I mean, now we got a big chug being put in. I mean, we got free beer. Hey, the accountant's going to be busy this week trying to see. Speaking of beer,
0: thanks for making me chase that rabbit. I want to go back to chasing the rabbit to the beer. No. Uh, (laughs) Stellantis, right? I'm working on this Dodge and I'm sitting there cussing, two star review guy, loving how everybody goes and leaves reviews of beers, right? Hating. How many times I've had to change out the big chug, only admitting once to you.
1: (laughs) Only letting you know the inventory is really off about 20 of them, but I only told you about one.
0: And I open up the door to this 3500 and I go, wow, Stellantis, really? You want to put one little tiny strip, right? One little bit of Alcantara right and wasn't even Alcantara. That's where I want to know. Have we gotten to faux Alcantara? Like- of course.
1: Yeah, of course. It's, there, there's such levels to all of this. I mean, all of these brands fooling with Alcantara, I like Alcantara. But the quality of Alcantara you can get from, let's say, a Pagani all the way down is alarming. Like there's just there's just a quality difference. And I wish the lower quality stuff just wasn't in cars because it's not going to wear well, especially because, you know, most people in in the lower end car truck are just not going to take care of it the way they're supposed to. So it's just going to end up looking really poor. And, And so that I wish it more for the car owner, because you and I see it detailers out there. We see it from a different place. Right. The different places, dude, you have no idea how bad this is going to look in six months, a year, two years, whatever it may be.
0: So, you know, this was a a father, right? Well-used truck. Yep. And they put two little pieces then on the seats. Yep. And that's exactly the thought that went through my head of what you just said. There is no way that this is going to wear well. I got two kids running in and out of the back of this truck, running a mess. Right? He yeah. needed it cleaned. These seats were filthy. It. Who? I'm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, Woo. you know, the the new Raptor has it in spades because the whole seats basically like this cheap Alcantara-ish type, you know, cloth, not cloth. Alcantara nonsense. And and actually a guy that just picked up one said to me, he goes, how do you think these are going to look? I'm like, not good. They're not going to look good. So you're not going to keep it. You keep your stuff about two and a half, three years. You, you got to be out of it. So we've actually seen his truck more since that conversation because he's so picky and wants to keep his truck so nice that he's actually proactively said, hey, I, I need you guys to detail this more than than normal because I don't want these seats to look like I think they're going to look and it's really unfortunate. There's some cool, I mean, the worst one is in a Lexus. They have it on the armrest. So lotion and, you know, suntan lotion and all, and it's like, what's the hope here? It's not high quality enough to kind of stand the test of time. You start to get these wear marks it's just a lot of people designing the interiors of cars that have never actually seen the wear and tear of a car. They just want it to look great at the dealership. And, and it's just gotten a little too popular. I still love it when it's done right, but is it done right all that often? I don't think so.
0: All right. So I, I saw this post the other day and it's inside of a, one of the Oklahoma-like car groups. And they were having to sell their car to get a different car that was more kid-friendly. And I go, ooh, man, been there, yeah. done that, bro. <laughs> like well, mine was a. Nine- that,
1: we're having that talk in my household at the moment, so let's not get too close to the the blade here, because I don't need somebody accidentally listening. And
0: you, oh, yeah, wow, I mean, well, I already started. I didn't know the blade was inserting. I I had to give up a '99 Tacoma, still one of my favorite trucks of all time. Had that TRD off road package. It did all four wheels, right? It. I think that little small truck outperformed many of the bigger trucks that always would kind of step up to it, right? Like that thing was a beast. I love that truck. It was great, but not kid friendly, right? It, it didn't have the four doors, right? Yeah. Had to get something. And so I went with an Accord it was the only time I've leased a car and I was, I built the car wash, moved into the car wash. I didn't need the truck to pull things anymore. So I went down to an Accord. I was going to ask, what is the most atypical that you're fine? Right. Now I guess it's becoming a very, you know, serious question, which I didn't oh, know yeah. about. Happy oh, yeah. to dig in and turn that knife a little bit. Yeah. Right. I'm glad it's in. Let me twist it a little. <laughs> you know, what direction are you going towards, huh?
1: Well, so I got an M3. It does have four. It is, a, it is a sedan. It's got four doors, but let's be honest, the back seat isn't the right size for the modern car seat, which, by the way, the modern car seat's a little out of control. Ginormous. They're, they're, they're rather large and cumbersome. And again, I understand safety. Everybody can back off. I, I understand why they did it. it. At this point, it's going to be a large Do you SUV. Know, like, I
0: mean, What's you let that? your kid go down those slides. Are you sure? Do you know safety? <laughs>
1: boy oh boy soft button issues just I mean you got to turn the knife don't you bud um you know what I think it is, is is well if I'm gonna do it you know this is the conversation if I'm selling then I'm gonna step up to an extremely large SUV so we never have this conversation again you know I'll get into something like a QX80 or some type of suburban or and it's like just to have it as the kids grow have more friends, things like that. I don't ever want to have the conversation again. I fought I fought it off pretty good so far. You know, let me be clear about that. We're not on the cusp of anything. Have I checked a few auction sites and gotten approved for a few auction sites to put this on? Yes, I have. It has not been submitted. No photos have been submitted. No auctions have been planned, but I also think if I am going to sell this, I got five or six guys here locally. I think I can sell it to. I'll get the price that I want or to go on an auction site. No plans right now, but yes, the, you know, is this responsible to have now? I have like 50 vehicles in my name in some way. I think we can make do, but you know, the argument may went out and I just may say enough's enough. I get to drive enough cool cars. Every day of my life, I might as well just stop the fight at home. But right now, I'm fending it off. I'm fending it off.
0: Okay. So you went large and you didn't go safety. You didn't go. We've talked in the past, right? And Volvo still considered one of the safest vehicles. I loved my Look, XC90. I like the XC90. I was yep. Yeah, I like I, the I XC90s. Loved, loved it. Uh, I, like I said, I went Accord. Not terrible. I know you're not going to Accord. I know that. Yeah. Different places in life. I yeah. was at like 20 I think 26, yeah. something like you gotta that. What you got to get. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think for me,
1: if I'm going to do it, I want it to be no conversation ever again. And right now we could use a little bit more space if we got another SUV. The other problem is I think we're having a problem with the third one on the way. Wow. A, hey, no, 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 all no, 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 right.
0: Congratulations. No, no, no. Hey,
1: you better relax with that. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, no, I, I just think, you know, you don't realize how much space everything takes up. So if you want to take a road trip and then you got suitcases and you got strollers and you you do need a bigger SUV when they're smaller cuz there is a lot of nonsense you got to carry around. So as you know, it's
0: like 52 strollers. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, every- when do you get to soccer? Once you get to you see the guys that have these big giant and they they have these huge Big, almost like wheelbarrow things that they're rolling out. They're ty- like, I mean, cool
1: yeah. Put some <laughs> cleats on and call it a day. Like, what, what are we doing here? So, I, you know, I don't know what I'll do. I mean, I guess it depends on, on what it sells for. I, I do think if I could sell this for the price I want and come December get something, I think I'll be able to get a deal. I think we're going to see some pretty l- lower prices come November, December. I'll do it. If not, I'll just keep the thing right? Like I'll just keep it and maybe go get something else, I, I, you know, and keep it. I, I don't know. At this point in time, my house is pretty, you know, wired up with lots of vehicles. So I, I, I'll i have to sell something, you know, I'll have to sell a couple things probably just to get them out of the way.
0: Is that like, how she talked you into it?
1: Oh, dude, don't don't do this. <laughs> these, these people listening right now have no idea how sensitive a subject is, you know, and what it is, is I'm the only one in my house that can drive a stick shift. If this thing wasn't a stick shift, I don't think I'd be having the argument. Now I've offered, Hey, do you want to actually learn how to drive one of these that I never get taken up on the offer, but yeah, I mean, it's a topic. And by the way, I've had it over a year. And just so everybody knows, I really only keep this type of vehicle for about a year. I enjoy it and then sell it. That's kind of been my MO. So that's her whole argument. You know, it's about time you got rid of it. I mean, you know, pretty much this is what you do on our extra vehicle. And, wouldn't it be nice? And that's kind of the conversation.
0: All right. So I'm sure you'll clay bar it before, you know, you get rid of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Marty.
0: As we keep saying, it's a great thing that you said, clay bar is the most misunderstood thing in detailing. Can't argue there. I'm going to submit phase two. The most misunderstood thing in the auto detailing industry as a whole. (laughs) So not just the detailing aspect, but the entire industry. I'm going to just going to go ahead and lob it up there and toss it out there. MSDS of what they used to be known as now known as SDS, right? Some people still call them by their own name. Many of us never understood why they changed the name, but, the current term is SDS sheet. Most misunderstood in the industry because what's in it? How do you know what's in it? How do you know what's written down on there is what's in it? And what in the world does proprietary mean? Huh? Right? Most misunderstood thing has to be for me, SDS.
1: Yeah, you're pulling out a thread here that, we've gotten a pretty heavy education for the last three years on. Right. And so, so everybody understands every company writes their own SDS sheets. Okay. Uh, meaning if you make products now, if you're white labeling products, you you get that SDS sheet from whoever's white labeling your products. Right. So you don't necessarily make your own SDS. We at HyperClean have to make our own SDS sheets and one of the things that we found is as you start to look around and test products, you go, man, this is a pretty acidic product. You pull up the SDS sheet and you go, this says it's between six and eight. That's not very acidic. It's pretty, pretty close to pH neutral. But when we tested it, it was high in acidity. You know, meaning it was way lower on the pH scale. It was much lower than six. And so one of the things we need to share and make sure that we share our journey in this is that when you start talking to independent companies, raw material suppliers especially, they start to give you and chuckle while they're on the phone with you about your misunderstanding of what SDS sheets are. And these are friendly people that we love being in business with that have provided us a very clear explanation of SDS sheets don't mean anything. And that was pretty alarming for you and I to hear working with some of the biggest raw material suppliers in the chemical space as a whole, not just detailing. These guys, you're talking about the Dow's, the Exxon Mobiles. You're talking about these big chemical suppliers that are like yeah, man, that's not how this thing works. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, you can write whatever you want on the SDS sheet. It doesn't mean anything. Now, Marty, I think you are kind of like me. Maybe I'm wrong. That was a pretty alarming thing to hear, not once, not twice, not five times, but 10 or more times in the last three years from very highly qualified individuals.
0: Well, we can go back to well, when you first kind of came on and that was one of the things after a couple of months, right? It was like, hey, all right, I need to get this SDS sheet. We need it. And they're like, well, what do we need an SDS sheet for? And I was like, dude, SDS is gold. Like you have to have an SDS sheet and you do, we do, yeah. right? So, but it used to be to me, I think in my journey as SDS was gold as meaning like whatever a product, that you had then here's the sheet the safety data sheet that is going to tell you all about the product wrong 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 (laughs) that's not what an sds sheet is for and that was kind of how i had a i love where you said it like when we were talking to these people and they began to explain it to us i misunderstood right like i thought it was supposed to be a data sheet, right? Of here's everything, but it's safety data. Let's go back to that first word, not data about the product. The data is about the safety. The only people in the industry that care about the safety, number one, are the transportation companies. If it spills, what's the cleanup like? We have UPS. Hey, we damaged a package and we need to know if we can discard it. We need to know how we're supposed to mop it up. Well, you're supposed to put a mop on it and wipe it, right? But we can't say that. We have this sheet that goes over all the ways that you're supposed to care for it if it's been spilled. Or, you know, unfortunately, I have gotten product in my eye. Yeah. If you get product in your eye, you need to follow the SDS. It yeah. will explain how to rinse out your eye, how long, what, pro- you know, all the different stuff, right? It's yeah. safety. Yeah. Safety is the key word on SDS.
1: Yes. Yeah. So let's, let's boil this down even more. Let's say on the acidity level, it's a six on your SDS. But when you produce it, it's a four which is much more acidic for us using the product and the things it can do to a car, but the washing of your eyes and the mopping it up and the cleaning it up. If it spills is exactly the same. Okay. The only time you really get into a different is if you get down close to zero, right? So think about this from like two to six, your safety protocol is about the same, almost identical. So I can make people believe I have an iron remover that's six to eight on my SDS sheet. But the only thing like you said that matters on the SDS sheet is how to clean up. Or if you get it in your eye or whatever, you swallow some or whatever that is almost identical for like four or five bars on the, on the, uh, you know, pH scale. So do I have to tell you it's a lot more acidic if the safety's the same Guess what number I can play with? And this is where it becomes really important to be in business with the right companies. I'm not saying anybody's doing anything. I, I don't know. I know some products you and I have tested and go, Oh, this is heavy acid. We'll pull up the SDS sheet and guess what will happen? Just like, you know, just like I know what's going to happen is we're going to see that six to eight number. We'll put it in our little tester machine. and It'll be, This is three and a half. This is four. Now, in the SDS world, that's not a huge difference on the cleanup. In the car world, that's the difference between burning and not burning a rim. So, on the SDS sheet, nobody's technically doing anything wrong. In the car world, the difference in those three or four points on the pH scale is the difference between burning a rim and not burning a rim right? Burning some paint not burning a paint. So if everyone wants to know why car washes can get out of control chemically, imagine if all those people went on the SDS sheets and they cranked up the acidity on something or the, the concentration level thinking this is a six when the manufacturer really gave them something that was a four, all of a sudden burn, 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 burn. I'm telling you, it was an education for you and I.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? There's a bunch of wiggle room in this stuff, and more than likely, somebody writing the s d s sheet at most big companies is making ten or twelve bucks an hour to copy and paste a whole bunch of stuff and that goes for the biggest chemical companies in the world. This isn't like you know Joe blows make it in the back of his garage. this is oh, everywhere twelve
0: bucks an hour. I need a race. What the hell
1: well, you got. You get a lot of free products. So it's twelve bucks an hour plus all the all the free stuff you get to take off the shelf, evidently.
0: Beer. Free beer. twelve <laughs> Be- bucks an hour, free beer. beer. Chugs. You know that stuff's not uh, free, Marty. So for me, I think it definitely one as I said a second ago, is there's a part where people will go, yeah, you know, but it does list what's in it. That's not always true. It doesn't actually true. it doesn't list what's all in it. And there's a word that I started editing out ours and started using this word because I started finding it so much is proprietary. Fuck it. Why? If not everybody else is going to put out every single thing that's in it because they don't, then fuck it. We're going to start using that word proprietary. And you 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 begin to go through everything. And the the reason why I bring this up, but as we you know before we move on to the next thing, is because you you mentioned something there of you know hey if I feel like a product is going to perform different then I could go look at this company's SDS. Well, no, that that's not true either. You you actually can't use an SDS sheet to go look at the way a product is supposed to act on a car, which is, was basically your point. I just wanted to reiterate it in a, in a different way.
1: Yeah. And look, there's percentages, right? Everything less than what four and a half percent, five percent, doesn't really have to be listed. And and this is what people need to hear. No one's monitoring this.
0: Hmm.
1: Let me make something clear. Unless you have a chemical spill like they had in Ohio on the railroad, that's the only time this stuff's ever going to be looked at, right? And that's for extremely hazardous material that's in a spill situation, right? Now there's a liability. When you're talking about what we work with, soaps and cleaners and Even if a million gallons spilled, there's no environmental disaster, right? So there is no government agency. There is nobody monitoring what a million companies across the U.S. that are in the chemical space in some way, shape, or form, whether it be household or cars or whatever, there's nobody monitoring this. And matter of fact, we heard something from a guy. He goes, these are more of a nuisance than they are helpful, Remember when he said those words and we had him explain it for 25 minutes. He's been in this bit, been in the raw material business for 30 years. He goes, this is out of control. It started with the right idea. Nobody monitors it. It's become a complete shit show. I wish it weren't this way because it's not helping anybody. This wasn't some angry guy. He was just a guy that works at the company. And we've heard that kind of tone now from multiple people in our raw material uh, suppliers And so one of the things people have to understand is it's not about calling someone out. It's just about calling attention to there are rules and regulations, and then there are things that just end up being a part of businesses. SDS sheets are now just a part of businesses. There's no rules and regulations to it at all. Nobody regulates it.
0: So thinking purpose here, purpose. So listeners, put yourself into this perspective of purpose of your business. You're a car care, you know, like to clean cars on your own, clean your own car. You know, this is a conversation, but, you know, I, you know, this is definitely one of those more purposeful for the pro. And, and we're talking about, should we be niche or should we run a full service business? Should we be niche down to, you know, I only do this and I only work with customers who want to do this? And you this can be X, Y, and Z, right? You could list out whatever. Some people are like, I only do interiors, I only do scratch repair. I only do wheel repair. I only do right, fill in the blank, whatever you want to say. And I don't mess with anybody that does not want to be specifically niche down the way I am. Then there's other people in the business that are. We would call them a full service business. They're going to, anything under the sun that they feel that they are appropriate to do as a business and handling with their customers, they are going to do the entire realm of it all. So where does somebody that's listening, where do they fall in on that? What side of the camp? Where do they go? And that's kind of how they can begin. And we're going to use this word more as lens as we get into lens, right, they're going to use that to figure out, you know, as they lens into where they're at. So when we figure that out, then we ask ourselves the question, Nick, is there a perfect customer for us?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. I didn't know you were going to ask this question, but the answer is no. There's no such thing as a perfect customer. I get to work with a lot of awesome people, a lot of very wealthy car collector types. And everybody says they would love to be in business with those people. But I got news for you. Nobody's a perfect customer. And what I would have said, uh, you know, I started detailing cars in 1998 and, and I had a belief system in 1998. And then I worked some more and I had a different belief system. Then I worked some more for somebody else and I had a belief system. And then I got into business for myself. And I had a belief system. And then when I wanted to grow, my belief system changed a little bit. I saw things a little differently. And 13 years into business ownership, I think I see things drastically different from a completely different lens or through a completely different lens than I did 13 years ago. The perfect client for any of us, I think, falls into a simple thing. Are they respectful? Do they treat you and your team well or just you if it's just you? And do they pay what you're asking them to pay? And that's pretty much the end of it for me because everyone's going to do what they're going to do with their car. And this idea that everyone's going to treat their car perfectly and they're going to do exactly what you say and, and this is the perfect customer, that, that just never comes around as much as you think it's going to. We deal with thousands of cars a month, over a thousand. And, and I tell people this all the time, I just want somebody who's res- respectful and will pay what we ask them to pay and, and and be a good customer in that way. The rest of it's going to fall where it's going to
0: fall. Okay. In marketing, you know, you you're taught this theory that you're supposed to go through and pick out a customer profile. And you define out your customer the way that would fit best for, you know, philosophies of, I guess, you know, the way that that interaction between customer and, uh, you know, business would be. And so you're supposed to go through and there's some people that they really, they, they narrow it down to, I want my customer to do this, 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 and they will drive this type of car. They're going to be right. And all valuable things, all valuable things to, to have customer profiles and to market towards certain customers. I think that's been a journey for me, is, is learning, uh, doing everything for anybody and then doing things as a business for certain types of people that we would do best in business with. And that that's a little different than, you know, I only deal with, there's some details like, I only deal with people that do this, this, and this. And that's sort of where I wanted to, to, to take a moment here is thinking through that differences of philosophies. Is there a perfect customer on their habits with their car? You know, who are there perfect customers that would only do certain things the way we want them to do it? Hmm, maybe. Maybe there are. That's going to be so hard to find, though. Consistently. Hard to find
1: consistently, right? Because, and I think here's the lens I want everybody to think about it. The, the, the thing that guys get really worked up on online is they're a single guy maybe getting their start or they're 10 years into their career and they're still on their own. You're going to see the business of detailing through a certain lens, but if you want to grow and be able to support a team of, of individuals that, that work with you on your team, you're going to have to see it through a different lens, right? Because you're going to need to bring in work and you're going to need to keep your team busy. And so a lot of people get very, very ideological online or or in their business, and I only work with these types of people. Well, that's that can work if you're trying to say stay ultra small and not build a huge business. The same can go for the DIYer, right? You don't have to build the most complete system. You can try 5,000 products and convince yourself you're doing the right thing. But guess what? You're only screwing up your car. So you're only seeing it through this really tiny lens. The guys I get the most information from today are usually guys that have branched out and brought in some team members and see the world of cars through a completely wider lens of how customers are really acting because they deal with a bunch of them, and the only and, and it's a statistical thing, right? The less the, the the less amount of people I deal with, the the more narrow I can be. But if I really want to have success and grow my business, I'm going to have to deal with a wider array of customers, and they're going to give me a more accurate depiction of what the average customer, even if I'm in the high end what's the average high-end customer really like? Well, if I have one high-end customer, I don't know what the average customer's like. But if I have 100 high-end customers, now I can get a feel for, wow, 100 high-end customers and they all act differently. There is no profile. They're all of a certain type of wealth, so they fit in the profile of they have the money, but they all treat their cars differently. They all do things differently. They all, They all drive them differently. They all take care of them differently. And so now you start to get a, a, an accurate representation as you deal with a wider array of people of what is actually going on in the market. And, and that's where guys get ideological is usually the guys that have stayed a little bit smaller, or maybe you're a DIYer that, that just works on your own cars. And I think that stuff's great. But also tap into those guys and gals that deal with a lot more customers to start to realize, hey, where can I find my niche and widen my niche and see things through a little bit of a different lens? That's what my career taught me. I thought of things way differently 10 years ago when I was smaller than now. And I'm, I'm happy for the journey I have because now I got a more accurate depiction of how the car world actually works from an owner's perspective.
0: And I think some people are going to kind of question here for a moment. They're going to question well, I can't just take everybody. So you don't take everybody that calls true. you. True. You don't. But one theory that, you know, if I've got to have all these people to kind of find my, then that means I got to take everybody. But that's not true either. Right there. There are things that you deny people for, right there. There are things that disqualify somebody from being your customer.
1: Yeah, my, and that's where I get back to the respect thing. If somebody respects and is trying to ask questions and learn what they should do with their car, I'll do business with anybody. I don't care what kind of car anybody drives. I started. I stopped worrying about that over a decade ago. I care that they're asking questions and I'm asking questions and are giving thoughtful answers so we can get to the bottom of what we can do to help them enjoy their car more. The next part is if they pay my price and everything's been on the up and up and respectful, I'm good. I'm in. The only red flag that I've ever really shared consistently on this podcast are those customers that blatantly show disrespect on the phone or through messages or how they carry themselves. Other than that, I don't expect most people even know what the hell we do. Because the average car owner doesn't know what we're doing. They don't understand detailing. They don't understand ceramic coating. They don't understand PPF. They don't understand how to fix their own car, which is why they hire a mechanic or go to the dealership. We all have to realize something. We're working in a market called the car world where the average person, by average I mean well over 90%, know nothing about cars. They just know I want my car to look great. I want my car to look better than it does today. I want to protect it from rock chips, or I want to make it glossier and protect my clear coat because I had this last car and it started, my black car turned gray and I don't want that to happen. They don't really know everything. And so now, which is why we preach so heavily on this podcast is you're the educator. That's your role. And as long as somebody is willing to be educated, which is a sign of a good customer, We'll come to a package or we'll come to, to a service that helps them the best that we can. And where guys get kind of mixed up on the perfect customer is, how do they care for the car after I work on it? That's not how I view it. I just view it through, will they pay my price and are they a respectful person? They do those things. I don't really have any other you know, qualms with doing business with them.
0: You're right. There are people that uh, they'll deny customers because of their habits, the way that that customer might use their vehicle when they aren't using this detailer service. This is rampant through the industry. You find this in group after group. You find it in, you know, all throughout. It's, it's interesting. And it's, I think a lot of it has stemmed, which I know it has, a lot of it has stemmed from ceramic coatings. We didn't have this argument before. Before ceramic coatings, there was no discussion about it. It really is just about ceramic coatings. And if somebody wants to have a ceramic coating put on their vehicle, then should they be allowed to use the vehicle the way they want to use it? Should they clean the car the way they want to clean the car? Or should they be forced to do certain things, right? Like this becomes that part of the question. Um, And this is is where I want to ask (laughs) a second question towards that, right? What would allow somebody to change their view? Let's say I'm, I'm the guy that views a customer should only do the way I think my philosophy. What do you think could change somebody's philosophy to where they listen? I was a mobile detailer that then saw a car wash opportunity and I go, wow. (laughs) But there's a lot of detailers that would do hell. No. Brother, yeah. yeah, you can't be uh, I, a car wash guy. I,
1: I've said this before. The thing that changes everybody is when they get offered a lot of money. Right? So I got a customer uh, that I've had for over 10 years that has an, an immaculate uh, collection of Ferraris, meaning immaculate in his taste of Ferraris. Uh, he will never purchase paint polishing. And the cars need polishing. They, they, they need some love. Never going to happen. I've discussed it with, uh, you know, his representatives and him personally. Doesn't believe in it. Doesn't matter how much I talk to him, blue in the face. But a lot of people would look at the cars and go, you know, he really needs to do this. He needs to have this collection gone through. And I would agree. And so you can believe that you're going to stand on your principal until he says, I'm going to pay you 15000 a month to keep my collection the way that I want it. And there's not a person listening that would turn this guy down. A, being in business with him is fantastic. It's got a lot of perks besides just the monthly check. He gives you tickets to anything you want. He's a billionaire, coolest dude on the planet. Great to my guys. Sees my guys working on his car, so come up, dap them up. How's your kids? What you doing? How you been? Money changes the lens with which people hold on to these ideologies. So there's not a person listening to this who's a professional that would tell me, well, I wouldn't take that job. He's not doing things the right way. Well, 99% of detailing businesses never make $15,000 in one month ever in their history. You're just going to turn the money away. Don't believe you're going to do that. It's easy to say when you've never been offered that money. You were offered an opportunity to be involved in a multi-million-dollar car wash. It's easy to say you wouldn't take that opportunity, but guess what? You, you'll never get that opportunity, so it's easy to say. We see this most likely in sports. Oh, I wouldn't have thrown that pass. Well, you're not going to have to worry about it because you're not getting invited to camp, right? So it's easy for all of us to say that. Why do you do that? Well, we all are guilty of that, right? You're sitting on your couch like, what the hell was he thinking? I wouldn't have done that. Well, of course you wouldn't, Billy Bob. You're never going to get invited. So you're, you're you're making a conversation about the nightclub that you weren't involved, that, that you weren't invited to, right? And so you have to learn that when you run a business, you're there to serve what the customer ultimately wants. And that's why I go back to if they're respectful and willing to pay you a fair price with for the, your service, the rest of it, you can do your best, man. You can do your education. Don't go through a tunnel wash. Don't do this. Don't. At some point, they're going to do what they want with their car that they pay for with their money. And this high horse mentality gets a lot of guys blocked out from opportunity because they want to stand on some idea that isn't how the real world works. And I love cars that look awesome. That's what got me addicted to this business. I got addicted to the polisher. You did as well. That's what kept you going. Everyone listening to this, that first time you got really great looking paint, that's what got you addicted to this. But the reality is this whole I'm going to tell my customer that they can't go to a car wash and they can't have this person do this. And and I'm not – you would change all that if you got offered the right price. So that means it's really not an ideological thing. It's just what you believe in the moment because you haven't had another opportunity. And that's okay because I've been there. I believe something in 2010 that now in 2023, I don't believe half of what I believed back then because life changed, business changed, opportunity changed. And you can't be dogmatic like this is right and I'm doing it. The right. It's like people that that get a lot of opportunity are pretty flexible and pretty understanding that things change and their ideas change and their beliefs change when new opportunities arise. And I think that's what paralyzes a lot of people is you're going to have to evolve and change, man. None of this stuff, none of your beliefs you have today in the next five years, you're going to believe something that could be completely different.
0: And what I love about what you said with, you know, the journey in a sense is no matter where you fall in, was I talking a second ago of, you know, you could be on this spectrum or you could be on this part of the spectrum, no matter where you fall, you get the opportunity to to journey into whichever direction you want to go. That is best for you and best for your customers and best for your business. The purpose, right. Is to be what's best for the customer. Number one rule in business, right, Nick? So doing what's best for the customer could be that you stay niche. Because maybe that's as best that you can be for the people that want to do business with you. For those of you that do want to go beyond, right? Because there's a lot of listeners that really want to make sure that they have a 15-year, 20-year, long term career with you know multiple team members that and you know they have this idea of where they want to be and what they want to do they don't want to deny customers they also don't want to mess with a lot of the customers that th- they for deal sure. with for sure and and that's where this kind of meets the meets the end of the discussion is then how do I grow how do I be as as big as I want to be deny people, (laughs) but then also have this theory that people can do whatever they want because it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I think that's where you got to get back. That's why I have such a simple approach now, right? My approach is about are they good to me and my team members and do they pay the price we tell them to pay? If I do that and I keep it that simple, I'm going to get in business with the right people, Mm Notice I didn't say, do they love to have their car two-step corrected? Do they have to have a five-year ceramic coating? Do they have to have PPF front to back, every every little nook and cranny? The answer is no. I'm going to find what works best for them, and if they treat us with respect and they're a good person to us and they pay the price we tell them to pay, I'm going to move on from anything else. If somebody doesn't want to do whatever with their car that I think they should do. And I warn them, hey, if you go through a tunnel wash, it could break down the coating a little quicker. You may have to get it reapplied a little bit more often. And they go, oh, that's totally fine. I just, I don't have time to do anything else, but go through a, a, a touchless wash. That's That's what fits with my lifestyle. I'm going to move on, right? It's all good. We're going to go ahead and put the coating on your car. I did my best to educate you. I wish you would do it a different way. But it's all good that they experience their car the way they want. I know that they could have a better experience. I know that we could provide a better experience. And look, that's why my company's truly full service. If we put a coating on your car, I can maintain your car. But for all the detailers out there that can't maintain someone's car and then you're denying people on the way they choose to maintain cars and you don't provide a solution for them, you're just you're just living in an ideal an ideology of your own that is only taking money out of your pocket. If everyone is respectful to you or this person's respectful to you and they pay the price that you set set for them to pay, you got to draw the line somewhere because I got news for you. You're coding a lot of cars that you don't think are going through the tunnel wash that are definitely going through the tunnel wash, but that person never brought it up to you. So you don't know right but it's going through the tunnel wash and you're never going to see the car again because he's going to get rid of it in two years and bring you a new car and he's never going to tell you about the tunnel wash because it just doesn't come up in the topic of conversation so what are we talking about here
0: what if we're not even talking about the tunnel wash because there's a lot of us detailers that we'd consider ourselves maybe a little bit more on the higher end and then sometimes we look in customers cars and we see a receipt or a business card for a we'd consider a lower-end detailer, right? Like, oh, yeah. let's oh, even yeah. go there, right? Like, I, it's not even right for me to complain about that. If I was doing everything I could for that customer and I met all of his needs or her needs, he would have no desire to use anybody else.
1: Yeah, but it, look, if, you, if you're a smaller guy and you're like, hey, I can't do all these, these coding jobs and do maintenance, I completely understand that. Yeah. But now... You got to realize that they have to solve the daily problem of keeping their car clean to them in the way that they see fit because you don't offer the service, which is okay. But getting all, having your feathers ruffled because somebody doesn't maintain the car the way you want, yet you don't offer the maintenance part of it, I think it's just one of those weird places people have gotten. And look, you're the one missing out on money, not me. I'm not missing out on any money. You are. And that's okay. It's your life. It's your business. You can do what you want. But how much of that is just some, some weird like ideological thing that maybe you need to take a harder look at and go, yeah, I'm going to soften my stance on that a little bit. The things I've softened my stance on as I've gotten bigger and bigger in business and met more and more good people that own cars, I realize there is no perfect client. There is no perfect human being to be in business with. No one's going to listen to you 100% of the time. Okay? They're all going to do what they want. And so guess what? Educate, do your best. If they're respectful to you and your team and they pay the price you tell them, you got to draw the line there. Do your best job, do what they paid you to do, move on with your life. That's my motto today, 13 years into business. I wish it was my motto in 2010, but I had the same ideological problems. Hey, you need to do this. You need it. But I wasn't able to do everything. I wasn't able to support all the things they needed done. So I had, to, I had to give and take a little bit and, and broaden my horizons and, and change my belief system a little bit to accurately depict how to be in business.
0: All right, so if, if you're listening and you go, man, I'd, I'd really like to chime in on this. I'd love to weigh into my view, my discussions, and what I want to say. Then come over to the HyperClean Specialist Group. This Wednesday, 7.30 Central, you can go in and we're going to be having the community pub Let's have a conversation. Let's discuss this. It's a great topic for everybody to come in, and let's have a group community discussion. See everybody there, 730, in HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Great episode, Nick. Enjoy SEMA. Everybody at SEMA, enjoy. Everybody have a happy Halloween. Eat lots of candy. Nick will be there handing out candy at SEMA, so (laughs) go grab it.
1: All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week.